sinner. I want to be a child of God. And I invite you into my life, into my heart, so that I can live for you. So I can make a difference in this world. And I mean it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guess what? If you prayed that prayer, Southwestwood in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. I always, uh, uh, at the beginning of time when we moved here, I said, we're a, our driveway is about a mile south of the Home Depot driveway, and everybody knows where Home Depot is. Amen. So right now, I want you to get ready, open your heart and your mind, and let Pastor Kevin minister a great word to you that the Lord has given to him, and uh, it's going to really bless your heart this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, son. Nick's my helper. And I got my watch here in case y'all get nervous. <laughs> Pastors get hungry too, and I like it when the pastor ends in time to go to lunch. Amen. There, let's get that light on bright. Thanks to Chelsea, gave me that as a gift so that I could read. And I know I'm going to have surgery one day for my cataract that I have. But until then, I'm going to do my best. If I have to get out of one of those magnifying glasses, I'll do it. Praise the Lord. I know I don't look old enough to have cataracts. I've told that story about somebody said, well, how old are you? I said, 64. They said, you don't look that old. I said, well, thank you. How old do you think I look? They said, 62. I said, well, anyway, it went over better the first time I told it. <laughs> Let's look at Luke 6, 22, 61. And that verse there is a great verse, 22, 61. And it says, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. It's funny how in Scripture certain things stand out. But at one time Peter said, oh no, I'll go with you even to the death. But sure enough, you know, he did deny him three times when Jesus was taken and he was tried by the high priest. How many know that religiosity will try a lot of people. You know, some people, they don't like it. My dad never wore short sleeve shirts to preach in, and he never would have gone without a tie and a suit. But I lived in South Florida for 13 years in the humidity, and it's so hot. Plus, I went through Hurricane Andrew, and it blew away my church, so I just got a fireworks tent. We had a tent meeting for six months. And I wore T-shirts, and blue jeans and tennis shoes. You try to live in South Florida and be outside with a suit on, you'll ruin them just with your sweat. I could go outside and in 20 minutes, I was sweaty all over because of humidity. You know, it might be the same temperature here in August, but down there, it's like 80 and 90% humidity. And uh, you'd just get drenched. Philip would lose 20 pounds every week 
You'd have to eat like crazy, Philip, to keep your weight on. But anyway, he looked at him, and it penetrated his heart. And we're going to study this for a minute, but, you know, I want to tell you a couple of things, a couple of illustrations here that I remembered. When I was in the sixth grade at Mark Twain, new Mark Twain, and I went to grades one through three at old Mark Twain, which tell you how old I am, it's a museum now, but uh, new Mark Twain, they don't even use it in the school system anymore, really. But uh, I had a teacher named Mrs. Weber. And I told this girl something one day. I didn't even use a curse word, but I told her something that wasn't nice in the sixth grade. And Courtney, she ran right over and told my teacher what I said. I couldn't believe it. And so... Make a long story short, Mrs. Weber, she called me over. She had a stern look on her face. She was like a grandma, you know. And I looked up at her and she said, Kevin, Kevin, I can't believe you'd say something like that. And I hung my head. And then she said, and if your mother knew what you said. I thought, oh, my goodness, please don't tell my mother. I never wanted to disappoint my mother. She'd make me go get my own switch. And I made a big mistake one time. I said, those switches don't hurt, and I broke it. She said, and I knew I was in trouble when that finger went up. She said, you'll be grounded from now on instead of getting switched. I thought, can I rewind that? I'll take the switching, you know. But anyway... When Mrs. Weber looked at me, it made me feel so bad because I knew I disappointed her. Another thing was Barry McGuire. He sang the lead part in a Broadway musical called Hair, which I don't relate to much anymore. But he did the lead of Hair, and he was a rock singer. And he was very unhappy with his life, and he was in California, I don't know if it was Los Angeles or San Diego, but he, he was in a bar. This girl that was backslid away from God actually told him because he was so sad that he needed God. And he walked outside, and there was a man named Arthur Blessed. I don't know if y'all ever heard him. Y'all see any of the people holding the crosses the other day on Friday, I think it was, on Good Friday, uh, by the side of the road, and they were waving at you when you go by? Well, Arthur Blessed was a man, a preacher, that carried a cross all over the world. He went into Arafat's tent, even, and witnessed to Arafat in the Middle East. You know, and he was at odds with Israel and all that business. But he was outside that bar room with his cross, and he looked at Barry Maguire, and it penetrated Barry Maguire's heart. And that day he accepted Jesus to be his Savior, his Lord. And because of that, then he started singing concerts, Christian concerts for the Lord. Changed a lot of people's lives. And there's another man named Nicky Cruz that was a gang leader in New York City. And Dave Wilkerson had gone to New York City to talk to these guys who were on trial for murder, some gang members. And he saw Nicky Cruz in the streets. He, he got this burden on him 
to go and win these gang members to Jesus. And he talked to Nicky Cruz, and Nicky Cruz whipped out his switchblade and stuck it up in David Wilkerson's face, and he said, I can cut you into a thousand pieces. And Dave Wilkerson looked at him, and he said, but every piece would cry out, Nicky, and say, I love you. And it broke Nicky Cruz. Nicky Cruz ended up coming to know the Lord. Dave Wilkerson formed a whole uh, recovery program called Teen Challenge. And they're all over the world today. Of course, Dave Wilkerson's passed away. He's not even alive anymore. But my brother met him. And my brother actually was a Teen Challenge director for a while to help people get off of drugs. How many know drugs is really a bad, tough problem today? methamphetamine, heroin. How many overdoses have we read about and heard about lately? Just break your heart. It's just so sad that people, they can't control their urges anymore. And the thing gets a hold of them like a claw in their brain. And they don't know what to do. But Jesus Christ is still, still the answer today. And Dave Wilkerson started these teen challenges that help people get off drugs. But Nicky Cruz got saved. He became a minister. And he there was a, a book written about him called Born a Run, Baby Run. And that was about Nicky Cruz. And Dave Wilkerson wrote a book called Cross and the Switchblade, which became a movie. And it, it was a great message as well. But the cross has always been a topic of interest in history. Now, we're going to see some things here. Jesus gave Peter this look that transformed him before the cross and after the resurrection. Now, we're going to read some other verses here. And I'm just going to look up there, maybe. Maybe I'll look here. I could give Pastor... Oh, he's already got the mic. Maybe he want to help me read. Go ahead, brother. He's going to help me read some verses. And I'll follow with him. You can follow on the screen with him, too. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another com confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. See, Peter was very bold. He always, he could even stick his foot in his mouth sometimes. But he was always the one to speak right off, no matter what. And so Peter, he was thinking he's doing a good thing. He was trying to get close to Jesus, 
see what they were going to do with him. When he got into fear mode, how many of y'all sometimes have a little fear come at you? Well, that's normal. You know, fear is a spirit. Paul told Timothy, for, I've, for he has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So God has not given us a spirit of fear. That only comes from one direction, the enemy, the devil. Some people say, well, I don't know if the devil's real. Just go out in the world and you'll find out. He's doing his business all over the place. He's trying to cause people to stumble and fall, be destroyed. That's what happens, see, when people... I've, I've known of people that get clean, and when they come back from rehab, they're clean, and then somebody comes when they least expect it, and they tempt them with something, maybe heroin or something. And they think, oh, that one time won't hurt me. But because they were so clean the same amount of dosage and maybe it's laced with something and it kills them and it's so sad Pre uh, Zach's preached funerals like that I've preached funerals like that where it's very sad what has happened but God doesn't want that he wants the best for you and so Peter he was so ashamed that he would deny Jesus. He was just trying to protect himself, so he lied. Lying never is the answer. But Jesus knew it was going to happen, but he still had a plan. Did you know if you flub up and you mess up that Jesus will still forgive you? And he still got a plan for your life. Yeah, I tried to make Jesus not call me into the ministry. I tried to do some bad things to make him not want to call me to the ministry. And you know what? He just pursued me even more. The worse you get, the stronger the Lord pursues you until you're just miserable. So I decided, well, you know what? If Jesus wants me, he can have me, and I'll just be me. But I'll, I'll be for the Lord now instead of for the devil. And that's what God does. He can take you the way you are and he can transform your life into something very powerful, being a witness unto him. I'm going to give you five quick points. Number one, it was a thoughtful look that was troubled when Jesus looked at Peter, you know, because they had tried him. It was in the early morning, midst of the night, and Jesus came out from the trial. They were going to take him next to Pilate and they were going to go to the whipping post and all this and so uh, he ended up looking at Peter on his way out he was standing by the fire when these people were there and his look was a thoughtful look like see I told you so but it's not the end the second thing is it was a look of condescension as he was an actual traitor he tr betrayed Jesus and how many times have we betrayed Jesus and not been honest with others about who we are? You know, you can be who you are, but if you're a believer and with Jesus, you can't act like you're not a believer. You know, you're just a believer with flaws that he can transform and change. 
Number three, it was a look of wisdom without spoken words. I mean, Jesus looked at him and he, he had a look of wisdom also because he knew in his wisdom that the day was going to come where Jesus would talk to Peter again. So the disciples weren't sure. Jesus had told them many things, but, you know, that he would raise. If he'd tear the temple down in three days, he'd raise it back up. And everybody, of course, thought about the temple, the building that had concrete blocks, stones. But he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about his actual body that would be raised. Number four is a look of love and not condemnation. When Jesus looks at you, even when you've made a mistake, he's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to show you love. He's trying to show you there's a way here. You know, when children make mistakes, and sometimes they get a spanking, I know some people don't believe in that anymore. Worked pretty good on me. Yeah, I turned out okay, I guess. I got whipped, spanked. It's not right to beat somebody. But the Bible says spare the rod and spoil the child. Sometimes you've got to give a little spanking. And my wife used a wooden spoon. I thought I'd use it one day. I didn't know it was cracked. And I whacked one of my kids on the butt, and that thing broke in half. I thought, oh, my goodness, I didn't even know my own strength. But it wasn't. It was cracked already. That's probably Nick. It was not cracked? You Did I give you a bad memory over that? I'm sorry, son. Come to my office this week. We'll do a little personal counseling. <laughs> but it was a look of love. And I felt bad. I know I hugged you after that and said, oh, son, I'm so sorry. Your mom uses this spoon. I thought surely it would work. Especially when they had a diaper on. It you know, didn't hurt them too much. Didn't it? They had a little padding. But it was a secret look, number five, of disappointment and knowing. You can be disappointed. My brother's tenderhearted. I was hard-headed. And my brother was tenderhearted. They said when he was doing something wrong in church, acting up, my dad was a pastor for a while, and he looked at him. He'd look at him from the pulpit, and my brother would just start crying. What a baby he was. Carol, do you, do you remember that? Jerry said he'd just start crying when Daddy would look at him a certain way. And if Daddy looked at me, I was wondering, where's the nearest exit? <laughs> I need to get out of here. <laughs> but anyway, how did it affect Peter? this look well I'm going to give you six quick things it refreshed his memory he remembered that he had told Jesus I'll never betray you I'll go with you even to the death and here he was denying Jesus and he told him when the rooster crows you will have denied me three times and then he felt so bad secondly it appealed to his conscience it made him think man I've done wrong what am I going to do you know, when you have a guilty conscience, the only thing that can get rid of that is going to God and getting grace and mercy for forgiveness. Amen? And then the third thing, it separated Peter from the crowd. Jesus didn't look at them the way he looked at Peter. They didn't even know that he had said that. It was nothing to them. So the fourth thing was that it broke Peter's heart. He went out, what it said, he wept bitterly when Jesus had looked at him. And he went and he prayed. That was the next thing. When you're 
suffering in your heart, you cry out. Did you know talking to God is prayer? Prayer is just communication. You pray, you talk. You talk to God. And if you have a two-way conversation, sometimes you listen. You don't just talk, but you listen. And if you're really smart, you listen more than you talk. And you might have a thought come into your head that is from God. But anyway, it gave him courage one day to even die for Jesus like he said he would. You know, the book, uh, the book of Martyrs talks about it, that he died upside down, Fox's book of Martyrs. He would not even, uh, on the cross, they crucified Peter also, but he was not crucified right side up. He resisted. He said he wasn't worthy of being crucified the same way Jesus was. So they crucified him upside down. Boy, you talk about something. That's wild, isn't it? But, you know, I remember when I would clean my grandmother's floor. I would go over and vacuum it. I was about 12 years old. And I'll never forget, they had a place called the Valley Inn Cafe. I don't know if anybody remembers that. It was down there where First Midwest Bank's parking lot is. The bank was there. Then they had the Valley Inn Cafe. And they sold Gristo feed and they sold gasoline. And they had a cafe in there. And they had pinball machines. And I carried newspapers all the way from Main Street down Maud Street all the way to the highway. And they also had a little ice cream spot in there. And they had a pool, little pool hall, pool tables in it. Well, my grandma was a strict Pentecostal. She wore her hair in a bun. Sometimes they called them a beehive if they were very tall. But she wore hers wrapped around in a bun. And I went over and I was vacuuming her rug. I was going to get 50 cents. You're talking about 1970. 50 cents was like five bucks today. Well, I was vacuuming. She paid me the money. And then the newspaper boy shows up. I said, this kid better keep his mouth shut. But he opened his big mouth and he told my grandma, or he told me in front of her, he said, where's that 50 cents? I said, shh. Because, see, we played pool, and whoever lost was going to have to pay for it. Well, I didn't have any quarters, and so I couldn't pay him right then. And my grandma looked at me why does he owe you 50 cents? He said, we were playing pool over at the pool hall, and I beat him. And he was so proud of himself, I want to knock that boy in the jaw. <laughs> and she looked at me. She had that look like Jesus had when he looked at Peter. And I thought, oh, God. She said, Kevin, you know you're in trouble when they say, Kevin Dwayne. McAnulty. I'm so ashamed of you. I can't believe you'd be down at the pool hall gambling. Twelve years old. She said, you better get down on your knees right now next to me. She got down on her knees, and I got down on my knees. She put her hand on, oh, God, don't let him become a wayward boy serving the ways of the devil. 
Lord, save him, I pray. Keep him from the clutches of the enemy. I'm like, oh God, I promise I'll never play pool again if I lose, you know, and get caught. That's a horrible thing. But you know what? I can I still remember that to this day that that happened. But there's many things that I can remember. I don't know who all grew up in Papa Bus schools, but I had a basketball coach named Jim Daniels. Wasn't Jack Daniels, it was Jim Daniels. <laughs> and Jim Daniels was the what, what do you call them when they go get the kids that are skipping school? Yeah, he was the truant officer. He was the vice principal, and he was a truant officer. Well, he was my basketball coach. Tyler, he made me wear ankle weights everywhere I went. I was so skinny I could turn sideways and disappear. But I wore them ankle weights so that I'd build up strength in my legs. If I dropped the ball or threw it out of bounds in a ball game, he'd make me carry a basketball around with me to every class with my ankle weights on. And I have a scar right here because he was trying to toughen me up and he got in there and said, now, you got to fight in there and you got to protect the ball. And, and he started slapping around and I was going like this and his elbow accidentally caught me right here and I split my lip wide open. I think it shocked him. He quit doing that from that time forward. But I actually had a split lip from him trying to toughen me up. He taught us a lot of stuff we shouldn't have done, like against Kennet, the Kennet Indians. I was guarding this little short guy, and I went up, and he taught us to raise our hand like this so that we would hit the guy in the nose on the way up. And I thumped that boy in the nose, he come swinging at me, trying to take me out. And I just backed away. They kicked him out, and I went to the free throw line. And Coach Daniel said, good job. Way to go, Bones. That was my nickname. I was so skinny, they nicknamed me Bones. But anyhow, I outgrew that. Get married, eat three meals a day and snacks in between. You won't stay skinny much longer. But anyway, Jesus on the cross for you and I. He went to the cross. He took those 39 stripes and then he carried his own cross to the site. I've been to Israel five times. I've seen Golgotha. I've seen where those crosses were. I went to the garden tomb. I saw the empty tomb. Man, what an awesome experience that you can have when you go where something actually happened. That's why we have museums today, so that you can picture it and experience it. And so anyway, I'm going to give you seven quick things about the cross. Jesus went to the cross for you and I. Now we know the punchline, that he was raised from the dead. God raised him from the dead after three days, and he was able to walk the earth for how many days, Pastor Ken? Forty. And then the disciples waited 10 more days till the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit arrived like a freight train. And then the church took off. But I want you to know what it was for Jesus to be on the cross. 
You see, they put those spikes through his hands, probably right through here, because if it was here, it would just rip through the tendons, and he would have just fell. So they had to put it where there was bones, where it couldn't go all the way through. And they put it through his feet, with his feet like this, up on the cross. And what would happen is, while he was on there, because he would sag, and he couldn't get his breath, so he'd have to pull himself up, and he'd push up with his feet to <gasps> get breath. And it took a long time for him to die, but not as long as most people, because at the end he said it's finished, and he gave up his spirit. And then thunder and lightning, and it went dark, because that was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That he would do that. The first thing that Jesus said on the cross was, and when he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots to see who got to keep the clothes. They didn't have any respect for him at all. But he said, forgive them. That was the first thing. He said, because that was why he went to the cross, Dave, was to allow people to get forgiveness of their sins. So he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're just doing their job. But conciliation, because each of these is going to bring us to the word Christ. And the first one, conciliation. He was bringing God to man and man to God. And the second thing is in Luke 23, 43, and he promised paradise. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that was the promise of heaven. C, conciliation, H, heaven. And that was the thief that was on the cross next to him. The other thief said, Well, just call your angels and get us out of here. You're the big shot. You're really a savior. You're really a king. Basically, he said, I don't believe in you. But the other man looked at him and said, Lord, can you remember me in your kingdom? He said, today. Because where was he going when he died? He was going to paradise. Now, you've got to understand something. Paradise at that time probably was somewhere down the middle of the earth where also hell was because that rich ruler or the rich man that died, he said, can you have Lazarus the beggar just put a few drops of water on my tongue? And so, uh, you know, he could see. The Bible says there was a fixed gulf. That means a big open space between hell or Hades because it's just a temporary hell, and heaven, but it wasn't heaven in the third heavens. It was paradise. Those were Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, and all those greats. Maybe Elisha and David and Solomon and all these people from the Old Testament where they were. And they could see what a wonderful life was over there. They actually called it Abraham's bosom. But it was a fixed gulf, a space. 
and they could see, oh, if I would have believed in God, I'd be over there. I'd be having a good time. But I'm in here burning over and over and over in this temporary hell called Hades. But then we see, so that promise was, when I die, I'm going to take you with me. And he went, and this is what we believe happened. Jesus, because it says he descended and he took those that were in the kingdom and they ascended with him and he took them to heaven where God is. God's in the third heaven. Paul said, I don't know if I was in or out of my body, but at one point I was caught up to the third heaven, to God's throne. So guess what? There's no seven heavens. There's no eleven heavens. There's three heavens. And the third one is God's throne. The second one is where we got demons and angels fighting over you and over your soul. And the first heaven is where we live, the firmament. So here it is. Jesus preached the gospel. He said, I'm the Son of God. Here's my nails, scarred hands and feet, the spear in my side. It was all prophesied all the way back to Isaiah 53. And he told them, this is who I am. I'm here, and I'm ready to take y'all with me to the third heaven. And he took them out of paradise. Now those in the temporary hell, Kelly, they don't see any action anymore. It's just darkness and torment where they're at. And Jesus took all of heaven, Moses and Abraham and David and Elijah and all those greats in the Old Testament, they went with him to the third heaven. And that thief on the cross that says, I believe in you, you know, that's how good God is. He's not judging how many works you did. You know, it's good to do good things. But if you do it and you don't know God, you're just a good guy. But if you know God and you do it, you get rewards when you get there. That's wonderful. Oh, I helped about five old ladies cross the street. Don't be criticizing older people when you see them walking like this. You know, I was at the post office. I saw some people walk in like this. I said, Lord, don't ever let me look that old. And then I was walking by, and I looked in the, the windows, and there, I said, who's that old man walking like this? I said, that's me. Well, I'm not going to walk like that anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, Jesus promised that thief, you'll be with me today in paradise. And then he took them all to heaven after he preached the gospel to them. That's awesome. The third thing, he looked down from the cross in John. He told his mother, hey, this is your son. And he told John, the beloved, he said, this is your mother. He was saying, you need to take care of my mom while I'm going. And so he made him promise that they would take care of her. Anyway, you know, God loved through Jesus. Jesus had a mother. Judah, he's always up here, you know, with Lucia. And Alicia sings on the platform. And he goes, Mama. You watch movies much? The Water Boy. Mama. 
That's my mama, Coach. Here, you want an alligator to eat? She always told him, that's the devil. <laughs> Everything was the devil. Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it back in the day. Well, it's always our choice when we do something wrong, isn't it? But he looked down and he took care of his mother. The fourth thing he said in Luke 15 and 34, because he was feeling powerless, isolated. Relationship was the one before. C, conciliation, H, heaven, R, relationship, I, isolation. And then the verse. I didn't have it. Read it, Pastor Jim. I'll find it. Well, anyway, he looked and he was without God. He was stricken. He was, mm. he didn't know how to be without God. He had this relationship where he'd go pray all night, and they'd, he'd come out off the mountain and say, where you been? I've been praying to my father. They'd say, how do you do what you do? I just do what I see my father doing. That's why, gentlemen, it's very important how you act in front of your kids because your kids will want to be like you. <laughs> my kids, they used to have their own little church services in the living room, and they'd be putting their hand on somebody's, each other's head, in the name of Jesus. Zach would be preaching, they'd be leading the songs, or maybe they'd alternate. But they would just have such a time. Many were showed isolation. And then we see in number 5, John 19 and 28, and it says there, it's up there. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Was he thirsty for water because his mouth was dry? That could be true. But also he thirsted for that fellowship that was taken away from him. Because the Father, when Jesus became our propitiation for sins, in other words, he was our substitute, he stepped in and took the blame. And the Father couldn't look on him. He turned his back on him. And he felt that isolation to the core. And he said, I thirst. And he commended his spirit to God. And we see in Luke 23, 46, that he trusted. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. He trusted in God. And then 7, John 19 and 30. He said, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, they put a sponge up to his lips of vinegar. He said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Once he did that, it was complete. And now we have the right to come because of our belief in Jesus. And when we confess him, we have the right to 
receive salvation. Isn't that awesome? Make a long story short. Let me look at my clock. I got about five minutes. Actually, I could take more if I wanted it, but I'm trying to be gracious. In John 21, we see Jesus after he had appeared to the disciples, and then they went out fishing, and they hadn't caught anything all night. And so he calls to them. Some of them think that's the Lord. That, that kind of looks like the Lord. And he said, try on the other side of your boat. They'd been fishing all night. It was a wooden boat, big wooden boat. I've been on those boats on the Sea of Galilee. And they said, but we've tried all night. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid us to come. But he said, well, throw your net on the other side. He said, if it's you, I'm going to do it. So they did it, and they brought in so many fish. Uh, in fact, it says 153. How would you like to catch 153 good-sized fish? I've eaten the fish out of that lake. See? St. Peter's fish, they call them. They give you a whole fish on a plate, head and all. So you eat the meat and whatever else they give you. But it's pretty neat. I didn't eat the eyeballs, though. Although they're very protein-filled, I'm sure. <laughs> but he said, read this passage, Pastor Ken, would you for me? When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. See, it was three times. I think that was in relationship to the fact that Peter denied him three times. And so he stood up for Christ after that. Like I said, eventually he was martyred. But Jesus asked him three times to feed his sheep because if you love me, you'll do it. And uh, so he, he became the one on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit came that he got up and he prophesied and spoke the word of the Lord, and 3,000 souls were saved that day as they gathered out in the Solomon's porch area. You know, when God is in something, you can be very powerful in what you do. You really can. But he asked him, feed my sheep. You know what? That's what pastors do. I'm not the only pastor. Anybody and everybody really is a pastor that knows Jesus. That just means feed the sheep. Help them grow. Help them be protected. Be good to God's people. And when you are, you'll be blessed. You really will be. You know, there's a little boy that was lost in the city of London. I've been there too and went around, saw some things. It's a big city, millions and millions of people. This little boy got lost and he came along and there was a police officer and he said, Son, What's wrong? He said, I'm lost. He said, what's your address? He was real little. He said, I don't know. 
But if you can get me to that church with the big cross on top, I can find my way home. You know what? If you identify with Jesus and the cross and you find it, you can find your way home. If you'll remember what Jesus did for you on the cross and at the whipping post, you can walk in freedom and you can walk in healing because he loves you. He really does. You believe that today? Stand to your feet and I'll bless you before you go. I'm so glad that many of you prayed with me this morning and that you confessed to the Lord that you flubbed up, that you sinned at times. We all do. The difference is if you don't try to go with God some more. It's those who decide not to go and try anymore that will not have a good end. But if you say, I'll keep trying, I'll keep going. And you know what? God will be with you. How many would say, I'm going to keep trying, would raise your hand? You know what? That is a public confession right there. So why don't you raise both hands like this to the Lord who is awesome. And I'll speak a word over you. Lord, these are your children. Though the blessed and not the cursed, they are the good and not the bad. You are with them. You love them. They're the redeemed of the Lord, and they can say so. So be with them, Lord, as they go about your business and about their lives. Bless them. Bless their houses. Bless their families. Bless their friends, Lord. And help us to save a few that are on the edge of burning in the fire. Let us reach into that fire and pull them out before it's too late. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you, and so do we. Greet one another before you leave today. I'm so glad if this is your first time. I hope I didn't scare you off. But I hope you'll come back and see us again. And have a happy Easter, a happy Resurrection Day. Go with your families, get something good to eat. Know that God is with you, that He's going to bless you. Amen.